the Making Sense of Life podcast number 43. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Sunil Raheja. As we explore from all sorts of different angles what it means to make sense of life, what is, what is an increasingly challenging and complex world. Well, this podcast is a continuation of our previous one with Dr. John Geeter. Um, and if you haven't listened to that previous one, I really want to encourage you to, to go back to that. But let's just say hi to John. Hi there, John. It's great to have you again. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, we're, we're, if you, we're over in Hastings uh, in John's house, and it, it's been a great privilege to talk with John on what does it mean to live a meaningful life. And John certainly done has done that. I mean, John is trained as a GP. He's worked as a, um, as a been in charge of a hospital in Bhutan. He's uh, married to Jane, and they have uh, three adult children. He's worked all over the world. He's um, been an art. He's also an artist. He's written plays for amateur theatre. He's got involved in local politics. But what really sort of brings things to a head in thinking about what does it mean to live a meaningful life, and particularly with regard to John's life, is that John has been diagnosed three times in his life with cancer, colonic cancer in 1997, breast cancer in 2010, and then pancreatic cancer in 2014. And at the end of 2017, he was told that he has secondaries from pancreatic cancer and has a terminal illness. And again, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, I really encourage you to, to listen to that as we looked at how do you make sense of life when you have a diagnosis that your de- your days are numbered. Um, John, do you anything further you want to add to that before we we move on to the organisation Prime that you founded? But let's talk a little bit more about what does it mean to live a meaningful life. And I know that um, 2018 is your golden wedding anniversary. Yes, yes, and uh, what a present to give my wife. But um, I, I, w- I would say that God has the right person for you and to find the right person to be married to is uh, what well, it's, it's it makes so much incredible difference to life and jane has been such a support to me and i hope me to her we worked through incredibly difficult conditions in bhutan right at the very start of its development program and she'd been there the whole time and uh, you know and the children as well we we have a strong family bond and i i, I just feel that that relationship within family enables you then to work for other people outside the family so with that foundation as it were that foundation with your own relationship with god and then also with a strong family life with with the support of jane would, otherwise it would never have been possible I, I don't think no no i i think um 
don't know, she keeps pulling me back to earth when I get <laughs> too many wild ideas. And, um, you know, it's nice to have a wife who can discuss things uh, with a great deal of intelligence and uh, point out the reality of situations. I, I Show you where, where, you get, where you're going off, off, uh, off, off on a tangent and getting distracted maybe in the wrong places. Well, it's very easy to do that. I mean, I write poetry and, and stories and things. But um, what, I, what I do find is that actually the truth of life with God exceeds fantasy. The, the, the reality of having a relationship with God is, is far, far more extraordinary than, than one could dream up. And it sounds so often you talk to people about the things that have happened. I mean, in Bhutan, we were working there and the first baby we delivered uh, was born dead, very dead, two days dead. And um, I, I totally lost, you know, I thought I thought it was right to do this and uh, start a maternity unit in a leprosy hospital. And um, the first baby was born dead. And I thought that's the end. But a, a young... Um, I suppose she was uh, from Bengal, Bangladesh, uh, as it became. She um, she started praying, "Dear Lord Jesus, give this baby back his life." And I was actually outside the ward with tears in my eyes because, and the baby cried. Wow! And I I thought, well, wow, you 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 say that? Who will believe it? And, um, and yet it happened, and I've seen many things like that, but all in a context of an overall uh, loving, if, if you like, with the sick, a, a, a good medical professional situation as well, that it's as if we do our bit and then God can do his bit. And I'm not a great believer in big miracle working crusades and things because I, th I think people have to be loved yes. and needed for God then to come into the situation. Okay, and then, but on that, just building from there, you started this organisation after you um, had your spleen removed when you had that chronic cancer and you had to retire from general practice. Uh, what year was that? I retired in 1997. Okay, and then shortly after that, you, started, you set up partnerships in international medical education for which you were given the MBE in 2006. Uh, on the website, uh, com, we have a 30-minute video entitled um, An Incredibly Brief History of Medicine um, that is actually you talking about the history of medicine in 30 minutes, which is quite an, a remarkable feat. Um, but it also provides a very helpful backdrop about what PRIME is and why it's important. So let's start off by asking you, what is PRIME? Well, it's PRIME, uh, well, its name is Partnership in International Medical Education, or it could be International Partnership in medical education. Uh, what, what happened was I was involved in postgraduate education for GPs in, in the UK. And we, we started running some courses with other trainers, but I, I got a bit dissatisfied because really it was not getting to the root of the sociology, the ethics, uh, the relational things uh, that I thought we should be teaching. And so God brought me some companions in a, a journey that was going to go far further than any of us imagined. And we set up with the um, the help of Christian Medical Fellowship, in fact, uh, a program approved by the Royal College of GPs for bringing these values into standard medical teaching. So what values are we talking about? 
we're, we're talking well the the Royal College of Physicians uh, in 2008 so we preceded this but they they brought out a book called um, you know professional values and um, those those they listed in this order as integrity compassion altruism excellence continual self-improvement and teamwork and I <clears throat> I thought well integrity how can you have integrity if you if you're not also compassionate how can you have integrity if you're not also altruistic because the patient expects you to give something of yourself in the relationship and we expect patients to share their deepest things with us if we're not prepared to actually approach them halfway even and re retain a professional aloofness how can we really be relational but it did strike me as strange that you know the top college for for medicine in the country if not the world as well if not the world actually put these values, which are, if you like, touchy-feely values. Well, nothing to do with um, technical expertise, really. No, no. And, and excellence, continual self-improvement and teamwork will actually flow from those values. But without those values, is it, is it possible to have excellence? So we, we started wrestling with this, this problem. So, yeah, so, so, so medical training, by and large, tends to just focus almost exclusively on excellence in technical skills, as opposed to issues around people skills or character and um yeah uh, yes absolutely and what, one of the the things we viewed is how did this happen because you go back to the middle ages where medicine i i'd rather have my cancer in the 20th century 21st, 21st century even. Yeah, well the first one was in the 20th century <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, yes I, that's right your first one was in 1997 yeah. the colonic cancer yes. yeah but um you know, because obviously we've got technical improvement. But somewhere along the line, we've developed the technical improvement at the expense of the relational. You know, one of my big experiences was going to the Ospitale Santa Maria della Scala in Siena. This is Siena in Italy, Spain? In Italy. It was set up by the cathedral in response to... And this was, I think, what you said, the 11th century? Or? It was set up, um, yes, I, I think 12th century. Well, no, no, it was 11th century, uh, to care for the needs of the poor, uh, for orphans and for pilgrims, and to provide them with medical care. And, and so, so this was one of the first hospitals in the world? or It was first hospitals in, in Europe. It was when the Arab learning, Arab, um, uh, the Arab cultures, the Islamic cultures, in fact, preserved the medical scientific knowledge of, of the Greeks. And that had to come back into Europe, uh, where Islamic and Christian cultures mixed. And that's one of the great blessings of sharing with diff different faiths. And so, and there's more on that, isn't there, on, on the video that we put up at drsinnell.com that goes with this podcast. Yes, that's right. It's, um, it's quite you know, the pictures painted on the wall of their vestibule, which are, are spectacular works of art anyway, uh, do show the, the care being given. It also showed the, the priest who was taking charge shedding his, his peacock robes and putting on a brown cloak of service, which we should do as doctors and because we are there to serve the sick, we say, but so many lose that aspiration to serve, to be served. And so what we, what we wanted to do is re-establish the, the caring values that have been so often lost in, in many parts of the world uh, because we believe that those values actually bring excellence. 
and that is, seems to be backed up by what the Royal College of Physicians uh, come out, if you've got the values, if you've got the heart. So often medical education is training the head. We say if we train the head, the hands will do the right thing. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's all about intellectual training rather than actually changing the character of the heart of the person. That's right. So we believe that the head and the heart must be in accord to practice the right things with the hands. So the head, heart and hands are in agreement. If they're not, then you get uh, either if the, if, the, if, the, if the heart wants to do the work with the hands but hasn't got the head, hasn't got the knowledge, it, it's, it's going to do something harmful rather than good. And, and the roots of that go to back to, I think you, you talked, and again this is on the video um, on, on the website, go back to the Enlightenment, the 17th century and this separation. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, the separation had to occur because the the um, there was rather an integration of the of the health with the the science. the The church was pulling one way that it became much more to do with um, icons and relics, uh, and the and the science had to break free from that uh, in order to develop scientific techniques. But equally. In doing that, it lost the spiritual values and the care and the compassion very often that faith belongs to. And we believe that we need to reunite. So there's something about science being very tangible, about being about the physical world, whereas, if you like, communication, integrity, compassion being much more sort of soft and so nothing, not something that you could easily measure... Is, is, is this what you, is this where we're going? Yes, I think I think this has been the tendency, the the examination. I mean, my introduction to medicine was you have been accepted at Birmingham Medical School, uh, to the dissection room at nine o'clock on the first of October, and my first introduction to a patient was actually having to peel the skin off the back of a cadaver at the age of. 17. So your first introduction to what it means to treat living people was to peel the skin off a dead person. Yes. Now. I, without the skills that you acquire in, in knowing anatomy and, and physiology, then you're not much use to people as a doctor. But equally, if you lose your humanity in that process, that you've lost a vital part that will benefit your patients, but also benefit yourself. I, I can see what you're saying, because one of my first, well, actually, my very first job as a junior doctor uh, back in 1989, um, was on a medical ward. And I, I always remember it well because we had a patient who um, had a, who, who had condition, who had, who had symptoms that we couldn't quite work out what the cause of those symptoms were. And we spent several weeks trying to bring the jigsaw together. And I always remember that after a few weeks, finally, as it were, everything came together. And it was like solving a crossword puzzle. I remember I was on the ward round and the results had all come in, the blood tests, the x-rays, the scans, everything. And it pointed, I can't remember where it was, but there was a primary um, cancer diagnosis with secondaries. And there was this great sense of jubilation euphoria that we've cracked it, we've worked out, like we've solved the crossword puzzle or we've done the jigsaw. But as the most junior doctor there, I was the one who was left to go back to the patient and his wife who had, you know, who'd been there for weeks you know, we kept telling him we're still doing investigations, we're still doing tests, we're going to work it out. I was the one who was left to say, well, basically, you have a terminal illness and um, this is the diagnosis and this is how long you've got. Um, not, you know, I'm putting quite baldly, but, uh, but, you know, but then from now on, it's going to be um, hospice, palliative care and you know, you're going to die 
in the not too distant future. And it felt very strange that 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 there was that the, the doing the technical side was was where the real action was, but the compassion and sitting down with the husband with, with the husband who had who had the illness and the wife, and helping them now to make sense of their life was was just sort of left to me the most junior person there. Yes, I, th- I think that's very true because, you know, jubilation is you've cracked something which is a death sentence for the person. You know, it's so easy to get into that mindset. And what we have found around the world that we, we see doctors, medical students set free by reuniting them. We're, we're not a touchy-feely organisation. We're not a proselytizing evangelistic organization although we are founded very much on the principles and and the role modeling of jesus but that's something we find uh, certainly in islam he is the greatest healer and um, you know even mahatma gandhi in the indian context role models on jesus to change a continent so you know we, we see we see that but the whole thing is that we marry science and humanity and the humanity both of the patient and the doctor because both benefit. I mean, one one of the things I, I ask nowadays when teaching in NHS hospitals here, um, is it right to smile at a patient? And and people look quite confused and um, don't know if this is one of those questions to which they can't give a right answer. But eventually somebody says, I, I think it might be. And, and I said, well, what happens if somebody smiles at you? Well, I smile back. And how do you feel? Well, I feel good. Okay. So if you smile at a patient, I mean, there are some patients that, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate. But if you smile as a patient, they smile back at you. You feel good, they feel good. You've got a relationship. And that's the human dimension coming in. And it saves several minutes of a consultation. Okay, so Prime is about bringing humanity back in, into medicine. I know we've got a couple of videos on the website which we'll put links to uh, with the blog post that goes with this. One is called, What Does It Actually Take to Be a More Caring Person? And the second is, What If You Could read other people's minds and the power of empathy so there's that's so prime is very much about as it were readdressing that balance um you've got a lovely story about your grandchildren saying to you i love you and how that in a sense illustrates this body mind spirit connection please please elaborate that for us yeah it was something meaningful to me when I, when, I, when I thought it through, because I'd been away teaching in Romania or Albania or somewhere right at the very beginning of Prime. And um, I, I came home and my, my grandchildren, some of them came to visit me. Granddad, welcome home, welcome home. Uh, and, and then my, my little granddaughter flung her arms around my legs and said, Granddad, I love you. And what I realised is, of course, the, the, the way we are so complexly made because her her words, they vibrated the air, which vibrated the tympanic membrane. The tympanic membrane of your eardrum. The eardrum. Mm. And, um, and that vibrated the, the bones in the inner ear, the ossicles. They, by some strange magic. Also neurochemical, biochemical. Yeah, yeah which really is it's quite an extraordinary thing to happen. But it translates that into an electrical impulse, which flows down my acoustic nerve from the ear to the brain, stimulated the appropriate part of my brain, the acoustic area, um, where some further complexity of neurochemistry and the 
ganglionic linkages, transforms that into a thought and understanding. But my spirit rejoices. Me, the the me that I am, rejoices. And out of that rejoices sense, in being loved and knowing that you're loved. Yes, and, and out of that love, I I conjecture that thought, which transfers into a an impulse down the the laryngeal nerve that goes to the larynx, and it's the larynx. Then the muscles there vibrate. And I say, I love you too. And so we are complexity. We are, as a whole nature, we are uh, biological, but we're also ourselves. We, we've got a spiritual being, whatever interpretation you put on spirit, you know, the inner person and relatedness mm. make up who we are as human beings. That's, that's very powerful. So this bringing together, as we said, this body, mind and spirit, you talk about God is at the intersection of humanity and science. Now, that, that sounds a very politically incorrect thing to say, especially in our secular age. But tell us more about that. Well, I, I think the more that one finds in the scientific community, the more appropriate it is to believe in God. Stephen Hawkins had actually a, a religious funeral, uh, I believe. <laughs> but he, he didn't actually rule out God, ever. He, because to, it's, it's always easier to say something exists because you can find it. But to say yeah, because, because you can measure yes. it, you can see it, you can, you can do that. Yeah. But to say something doesn't exist requires an awful lot of faith. And, and you know, at one time I, I said, God is a fantasy of imagination. And we scientific people, we don't need to believe that. But, but then God breaks in and, and you find him as a reality and... and you know, once you found him, you, you you say he's there, and I pity people who actually look and seemingly don't find. But but I think people do, and sometimes people are put off acknowledging what they find as God because some religious um, abstraction has 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 created a sort of sense of God that isn't isn't God. Mm. So you know, it's it's very complex this, but I think everybody knows that there is something which makes them them, which is unidentifiable with the physical being and that is so important and, and there's so much burnout now amongst medical doctors and nurses because I think they've lost the relationship with their patients it's been a gradual process accelerating but the relationship between doctor and patient is 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 it's much more so it's a technical one sort of fixed like you like I go to my car mechanic to get my car fixed but there's a particular problem that gets fixed and then I get out as fast as I can Yes, and people start thinking of themselves in that term. I'm just a body. Um, the words like meaning and purpose have no meaning. So, so Prime very much is about helping doctors and nurses and clinical staff understand what makes a good clinician, be that a doctor, a nurse or whatever. And I know um, one of the questions you ask in your training is, imagine your, your mother is rushed into hospital. What kind of nurse or doctor would you want to be there? Would you want to be there before you actually arrive? Yes. So tell us about that. Well, and, and why do you ask that question? Why is it important? I, I think one, one of the things which dawned on me in my career as a GP, I was, I was seeing a patient who was one of these people that you consider time-wasting. She would always come back. You could never get anywhere. Um, and I, I sat there thinking, oh, well, I just have to give her 10 minutes of my time. I can bear that. And suddenly I, 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 I thought, I'd say that, it was almost like I heard a voice saying, if that was your mother, 
would she be seeing a good doctor? And I had to say no. And then I actually started thinking of her as my mother. You know, not that my mother had quite such deep problems, but I thought she is somebody's mother. And I, I developed much greater empathy with her. And, and somehow, I, know, I don't think I really got to the bottom of her problems, although what I learned in that consultation helped me so much get to the bottom of other people's problems. And I, everybody's somebody's mother or child or brother or sister. And so I thought, you know, why apply a different standard to somebody else's mother, brother, sister, than you would hope that a doctor would apply to yours? That should be our standard. And somehow that, that, that sort of thought seems to dawn so heavily when we're teaching in all cultures. And the thing is, in all cultures, people come up with much the same list of attributes. And most of the attributes are not taught in medical training. You know, and and some places I'd agree with you. I think if I look at my own medical education, it was all about technical skills. Yeah, and and there there are even things like consultation skills where you should be treating empathy, true empathy, not not some. Uh, what, what do you mean by true empathy? Well, true empathy. I, I know this is more on, on if you go to the um, that blog post, which will there be a link to. Uh, what if you could read other people's minds? The power of empathy. But just give us a little te teaser on that. Yeah, well, that, that's a great thing to go to because that's got Cleveland Clinic on it, hasn't it? Which yes, it's, it's an interview with Cleveland and it is well worth watching. It is, it is completely brilliant, that, that um, from Cleveland Clinic, the, the, the video. Um, empathy is actually a deep understanding of the person. It stops a bit short of being compassion because empathy gives you understanding of the person and aligns yourself close to them. True compassion, actually, the word com, with sort of takes you a little bit further to give you that real desire if that were my mother I, I'd, I'd go I'd move heaven and earth to get her better mm. and I think compassion does that and compassion itself has to be managed properly because otherwise if you just pile care for one patient on top of care for another mm. one and you the medical training that we teach in prime is very much seeing subjectively and objectively and and keeping the two in balance yeah, so if, if I feel sympathetic to somebody, I might feel sorry for the suffering they're going through. But if I'm being em truly empathic, I'm able to see their suffering, but actually then do try and do something about it yeah. and try and move them forward to a better place. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, but that becomes our desire. And we take rejoicing in moving them to a better place rather than just making a scientific diagnosis. And so that feeds back into our own um, neurochemical systems. And we release endorphins. We light up areas of the brain which are reward centers. So it, it, it's almost impossible to do an unselfish act because we get feedback. And, you know, that, that's the greatest antidote to burnout. It needs to be managed, but it's a skill. Because you're getting the reward of seeing somebody getting better. You're seeing their appreciation. You're seeing their transformation. Yes. Yes. And what is more, that becomes a driver then for your own self-improvement. Because you want to get better at it. You want to get better at it because it, it it enables you. If my mother was there, I'd want somebody who listened to her. I'd want somebody who cared for her. But I'd also want somebody who actually possessed the skills and the medical knowledge to treat her. So we, we teach the two alongside each other. So, I, I you know, it's a bit of a tendency of, of having consultation skills, which is, is useful. But I'd rather teach those consultation skills in a clinical doctrine. So, you know, some of the 
things I most enjoyed before I discounted myself as a clinician with knowledge to share because I've been out of it too long. But I, I like teaching cardiology from a whole person perspective, respiratory disease from a whole person perspective, because the two are important. Sometimes we get this list of things from participants. What mother, what would you like teaching your mother or your sister or somebody? And somebody leave out competence. Sometimes that comes first. But the clinical skills, the clinical knowledge must be there because if they're not you haven't got well, the again that's part of the foundation as well because yes. if you don't if you don't know what to do then you can have all the compassion in the yeah. world but but you're not actually going to make any difference no you need the head and the heart and the hands all working together and and if they do that they reinforce each other and i suppose what we're only beginning is very slow to understand it, this very complex body mind spirit connection so i can have a physical illness but the what but what i think about my physical illness can have a huge impact on my prognosis on how and how the on the course of the illness whether i get better or not um and so what i think and believe is is vitally important yeah well this this is coming even more to the fore than when we started prime and there are paper after papers being published now just showing that um the, the, the mental attitudes of patients, spirituality is, is a thing which is, is showing enormous difference in, in how the outcome. And, and I suppose if you like, yeah, the spiritual foundation for Prime very much is Jesus as healer. Um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I found this as a, as a module when I was teaching for College of Physicians in an Eastern European country. And I had a very mixed group of people there. There were quite a contingent of, of uh, Islamic ladies. There was probably a majority of, of uh, Orthodox Christians. Um, there was a, a very, um, I think, initially vociferous group of ex-communist atheists. And we were talking, and, and, um, and gradually over the two and a half days, we started to get common ground with everybody. And... Um, you know, using various techniques like draw a picture of your life as it is now, because I think these um, self-expression, reflective learning is important, which we're teaching in quite a lot of countries in the Middle East and places now. But um, the the afternoon it finished at Sunday lunchtime, and I said, well, for those who want to, we'll look at spiritual aspects of the consultation. It's not part of the course there's no certificate attached to it but if you'd like to I, and I expect half a dozen to turn up in fact everybody turned up the atheists brought a few friends with them which was interesting because they'd obviously said this, this isn't what we thought it would be and um, and I, I'd got something fairly benign that was you know if you like in the the secular look at spirituality because I thought that's probably safe and whilst the, the person with me was giving a short talk about deeper understanding of people um i i i don't know if i say god told me I, you as a psychiatrist would probably have to that's okay but um i i just felt impelled to to give them jesus i thought what does that mean and i got a list of all the uh, if you like the miracles of jesus i call them the healing interactions of jesus and I'd got a list of that. I sent the organiser out to a local church to borrow some Bibles. And I said, well, you know, we've been talking about ideal consultations, ideal relationships with patients. And I think we'd all do better if we had a role model. Now, the trouble is, some people don't have a role model. If 
this person has a role model, the other person wouldn't know them. So I'm going to choose one. I'm going to choose Jesus. Because to you Muslims, he is your greatest healer. You know, to me as a Christian, he's that and more. But we'll look at him through what eyes we can look. Um, I said the Hindus, well, Mahatma Gandhi, role modeled on Jesus to change the continent. Mm -hmm. So if we want to change medicine, follow Mahatma Gandhi in that. Uh, but it's not about religion. And you atheists would agree that he's one of the most important people in history. And most of you said he was a good man, even if you believe he's misguided. So let's look at him as a human being and look at how he interacted with patients. And I got them in little groups of three and they each looked at one or two of these miracles. I said, don't, don't look at the miracle. Don't, don't, don't take into account what you've been told this miracle portrays or anything like that. Just look at this as an interaction between a, a healer and a patient. And just write down what attribute is shown there. And at the end of that, they each shared the attributes they'd seen. And we had a list nearly twice as long as that of the attributes that they identified at the beginning of the course, um, what would be the ideal doctor to be seeing your mother or your husband, your wife? So what you're saying, so that study of Jesus' interaction in healing revealed very, very, brought to life what it means to be a compassionate healer. Yes, and it, it was meaningful to people of all faiths and none, which, which really surprised me. And we found that repeatedly, that... You know, I, I, I maintain Jesus can come to found a religion. He came to show us a life that was fulfilling human life and that that's how God wishes to interact. And it's something, you know, that it is available to people of all faiths without necessarily changing their faith. That's fascinating. It's fascinating hearing about the work of Prime. Um, and just to go on, on the website, there is that uh, sort of just under 30-minute video about... Uh, an incredibly brief history of medicine, which I really commend you to watch, um, along with the, the couple of other videos which we'll have links to about what does it actually take to be a more caring person and what if you could read other people's minds and the power of empathy. Um, but John, as we come to a close, um, where can people find out more about Prime? So Prime's really very much about making doctors who who are good, holistic doctors who really think about the whole person. But where, if people are interested in listening I mean, it's incredible, actually, how the organisation has grown because, you know, yeah. uh, what started off as your baby is now in f all over the world. In It's exploded. Yes, it's we've got prime bases in every continent, apart from Antarctica, of course. Yes, but, yes. but um, no, even a PhD has been done in America by one of their own medical educators. And she did a PhD. She interviewed people in 23 countries who'd um, all um, been to prime tutor courses and then gone back to where they came from and have started a work to find out the impact it's had on healthcare in their countries. And we're very keen on supporting the healthcare in developing nations where the need is so enormous and great and those doctors who are working there need special reinforcement. Um, but so, so where can we find out more if, yeah, if, if we're interested? Uh, yes, yeah, so <laughs> we have a website which is uh, www, obviously, prime hyphen international dot org okay and we'll have a link to that on the website and and that's got a lot of information we we do run um uh, annual conferences here we um we do annual conference on mental health on palliative care because it's all very practical outcome it's not it's not 
touchy-feely stuff. It's, it's actual practical medicine, particularly in countries in the third world, um, you know, where, where postgraduate education is few and far between. We like to update people's actual practical medical skills, but from the context of relationship with the patient. So clinical skills, knowledge updating, but all the time body, mind and spirit. Yeah, and so moving away, well, obviously we had the business side and the finance side of medicine, which I think obviously the emphasis is becoming more and more apparent because medical costs are just astronomical and rising, whichever way you look at it. But it's looking at how we can bring this in a holistic sense. As you're handing the baton on, as it were, of prime to other people into the future, what are your dreams and aspirations for prime and where it should where it should go in what is an increasingly complex and challenging world? <laughs> Indeed, I, 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 Prime is basically a visionary organisation. One of the great things, having my my cancer, I, we're, we're a great family in Prime, and I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of messages, and and the the sort of thing that comes across. I mean, one one person in Uganda wrote and said, "You inspired me. Now I inspire others." I think this is a vision of medicine as it can be for the fulfillment of both the doctor, the nurse, the physiotherapist, radiographer and the patient that we, we want relationship. Relationship is rapidly getting eroded in the modern world and we want to bring back relationship. That is, it, Yeah, I think in Britain we now have a minister for loneliness. Yes. Yeah, it, well it is tragic and you know that 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 is one thing. I, I believe the message of, of, of Jesus is relationship, and the the biggest, most positive health positive health indicator is the quality of one's relationships. That having strong relationships is is more better for your health than giving up smoking, than losing weight, than exercising. It trumps so many other things that we we try to do to improve our health. Yes, that's uh, we one of our tutors is um, a professor of social and uh, community psychiatry, a very distinguished one, and. Um, you know, he, he, he says that the, the, the biggest predictor of mental health problems is separation. Mm-hmm. As we come to a close, well, let's just, I just want to close with this issue of shalom, mm. um, complete well-being, because, I, because I, ultimately that's what Prime is about. Yes. I, I, th- I think this, the, the, the trouble is there's no English translation for shalom, uh, it, but it's, it's a word that... that you know, uh, it's it's a, a word that is a greeting in Middle East, salam, shalom in Israel. Uh, but it embodies health. It embodies um, social uh, connectedness. It's a, a word that's, uh, if you like, community prosperity. It's a word meaning peace. And, and so the, the idea is that that sort of wellness that comes from relationship is embodied in Shalom, peace be with you. And, you know, that's the greeting throughout the Middle East in one way or another. What we're trying to do is to, is to make that a ministry of shalom. And so it's about complete flourishing in every area of your life, in your in body, mind and spirit and in your relationships. Yes. And, and our work as doctors is part of that. We need to work in relationship as doctors with the, with the nurses there's you know i've detected here there's an enormous separation between doctors and nurses when i trained there wasn't i learned an enormous amount from the nurses i worked with but there seems to be this hierarchical separation i i 
understood at a conference in the Royal College of Psychiatrists on burned out junior doctors that some hospitals they don't even have names on a rotor they're just a number you know and and this term of um, this is the nurse but this is somebody the nurse it, it, it's if we lose our humanity then we, we lose that which makes living worthwhile and so I believe that the, the, the practice of excellence in medicine, which we would aim for, I mean, a lot of our teaching is actual practical skills, practical knowledge, but you lose that relatedness and, and the reason you're doing it disappears. And that, I believe, is why there's so much burnout. We started working in the NHS now with a course called Compassion Without Burnout. And I'm, I'm just surprised at what we would consider now in primary, because we teach so often, to be common sense, is 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 absolutely mind-shattering new thinking for people. And one consultant said, I've been a doctor for many years, I've been a consultant many years, I've been head of department for many years. Why has nobody told me this before? Now, what, what we set out to do wasn't groundbreaking. But it does seem it is, and it does seem that by inspiring people with a vision. So what do I see as the future of prime? It will be people who inspire others to inspire others to inspire others. But equally coupled with the practical knowledge and skills to pass on that aspect, to make them able to exercise their compassion. Because it's no good the amount of compassion you have without the skills to do anything. You, you achieve little, but you burn yourself out because you're left with a grief, you can't do anything. And so coupling the, the actual, if you like, the practical medicine, the science, back with the humanity, we believe is the, the essence of what should be being done and should be back into our medical schools and nursing schools and wherever we are. And also encouraged by governments and NHS, so much of the, the policy is about numbers and not about quality of care. You can't really measure quality of care on a numerical scale. You measure that which is measurable, but you leave out all those things which are not, which because we haven't developed the indices for love. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, John, for really bringing to our attention the important work that Prime is doing. And it's prime-international.org if you want to find out more. And again, do go to drsinil.com to find more. But thank you again, John. You've left an amazing leg legacy for us with the worker prime yeah, and with, with others there have been a huge number of people involved and that's the key thing it's yeah, been in I, partnership I, 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 it's, it's not just me I, I'd have faded long ago but you know all the time people have added in with the same vision and they've worked together in fact I felt very embarrassed getting the MBE because there have been so many other people involved in that well thank you again but uh, you've been as it were the a part of the inspiration so thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for sharing so openly with us about your own personal journey with uh, pancreatic cancer. And we praise God for you and praise God for his hand upon you as well. Yeah, well Any final words? A final word is I'm so grateful to everyone who's praying for me. It, it, you can feel it. It's wonderful. So that family of Prime is really something. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme 
This is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now.